Thanks for listening to the podcast of Hope Church in East Hampton, Connecticut. Our mission is to love God, love people, and serve the world. To find out more about Hope Church, be sure to check out our website at cthope.com. Church. How's your summer going so far? Fast, yes, I I agree with that wholeheartedly. Man, I can't believe all the kids are going back to school this month. It's crazy. So I have a question. Have any one of you seen the movie Goodwill Hunting? few of you out there, maybe people listening online. Um, so I'm trying not to give away the whole thing, but basically the, the movie Goodwill Hunting is about this guy who, he's had a hard life. He had a rough upbringing, and he is brilliant, but no one notices. He is a janitor in this college, and um, so he just goes through life, and he's kind of stuck. He's kind of in this rut, and he doesn't see much hope around him. And then through the movie, you see through his, his relationship with his uh, therapist, Robin Williams, and through this, this interaction with this girl that he meets, played by Minnie Driver, he, he, he begins to see hope and, um, and goodwill around him. And if you remember, towards the end of the movie, he gets to this point where things are starting to look better for him, um, but he's estranged himself from this girl that he knew. And he gets to the point where he realizes, you know what? This girl accepted me as I was. This girl is amazing, and she's so good for me. And even though she moved across country, she is worth pursuing. And so there's this famous line he says, I got to go see about a girl. Yeah, I got to go see about a girl. And it's this simple line, but he, he chases her. He goes after her because he believes that she's worth pursuing in his life. When was the last time that you pursued something? That you went after something and said, okay, I don't care what this costs me or how much it takes, but I am going to go after this thing. Maybe for you it was a job. Maybe you were, um, you know, you're like, man, this, this career for me is so important. I would, I would do anything to get there. Maybe it's, you know, you lost something and you were trying so hard to find it. Maybe it was a relationship for you or it was trying to find a sense of purpose. So what was that thing you pursued and why was it worth pursuing? Today we're going to focus on what it means for us to pursue God's will, to chase it down with everything that we have. And yes, my title for today's message is God's Will Hunting. Cheesy. (laughs) Cheesy, but I'm not sorry. Um, God's Will Hunting, because you know what? I think that there is kind of a sense of adventure we get when we think about it that way, that, that pursuing God's will, pursuing what pleases God is not meant to be drudgery. It's not meant to be a checklist or just a to-do list. It's meant to be this, this ongoing daily um, hunt or uh, pursuing that we're looking intentionally for what God's will is and how it creates flourishing in the world around us. And I'm going to go back to a passage that Tom used a little bit last week, uh, Romans 12, 1 through 3. That's going to be my anchor passage over the next few weeks as we're talking about God's will. And it says, Therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, 
his good, pleasing, and perfect will. That was one of my favorite verses growing up, actually, uh, which is partially why I know it. Um, But I love how that verse talks about um, how we're meant to pursue God's will and how our lives are meant to, we're supposed to act, test, and approve what God's will is. So my first question to us today, which I'm going to answer just briefly, is why, why should we care about pursuing God's will at all? And I'm going to only talk about this briefly because really, if you've been here the last couple months, you know that Tom led an amazing series called Supreme, where he talked so much about Christ being the head, Christ being Lord or preeminent, and really talked a lot about God's authority, um, that he is Lord and what that means in our lives. And I challenge you, if you did not hear that message series, go back and listen to some of that because it will talk a lot more about Um, how we know that God is Lord and and what that really means for our lives. But the truth is, if we get to the place where we're going to call God Lord, if we really believe that he's the head, that he's the author of our story, then we at some point have to act on that. We have to begin to uh, respond in obedience to his lordship. Isaiah 33, 22 says, For the Lord is our judge, the Lord is our lawgiver, the Lord is our king, it is he who will save us. And I laugh a little bit. I was thinking it almost makes God sound like, you know those like Western movies or uh, really small town movies where one person is like the mayor and he's also the mailman and he's also the barber. And it's like, this is, this is what this is saying almost about God. Okay, he's our Lord. He's our lawgiver. He's our judge. He's our savior. Um, but it makes sense, right? Because if he's the creator, if he's the one that designed us and designed this world, then he's the one that creates the morality that makes this world flourish in his way, in his time. And if he created us to follow him, then yes, he's the one who's going to also judge us, that one that's going to look at our lives that we're going to have to answer to, not just today, but at the end of our lives. And the Lord says that in 1 Corinthians 6, 19 through 20, that we're not our own. We were bought with a price. And if we're going to look at Jesus and we're going to say he is Lord and he's judge and he's lawgiver, then it should very much matter to us what he says. His will, what pleases him, should absolutely matter to us. But if that weren't enough, it's, it's not just that God is Lord and he is supreme, but God is also love. God is also love. So it's not just that we follow him because we have to or because, you know, because we should, even though that is, that is a, a good enough answer. But God is also love, and everything that he does is for us and for our good, for our flourishing. There is not one law that God gives that is not designed for for our good. And we have to remember that. God's plan is for our good. Psalm 119, 165 says, "Great Great peace have those who love your law, and nothing can make them stumble. When we walk in God's law, it gives us light. It brings us peace. There's a steadiness. So we follow God because he is Lord. We follow God because he is love. And because of that, we are meant to seek and know his will. So if, if he's Lord, if he's judge, if he's lawgiver, and we really believe that, then at some point for every one of us who follows Jesus, we have to ask the question then, what is God's will for our lives? All right, 15 seconds. Answer that. Go ahead. And No. What is God's will for our life? I think sometimes for many of us that can cause a little bit of a panic, right? 
Uh, for, for people like myself, who is an overthinker, we can think, okay, I don't know, I need to get God's will just right, and what if I get it wrong, and then what's going to happen? Um, or I think sometimes we also get a little nervous about God's will because we maybe have grown up with a false understanding of who God is, a false understanding of his character and how he works. Um, you don't need to raise your hand, but how many of you at some point in your life have thought, oh my goodness, um, I'm pretty sure God is mad at me right now and he's, he's punishing me for something I did and I'm not, oh man, like I, I just wish I knew what he wanted from me. I've, I've been there. I've been there at times and I've thought, I don't, I don't know what I, you know, I, I know I screwed up here and I'm sure God's upset and I'm sure he wants to just, you know, like correct me with maybe not lightning, but something. And I think we, we, can, we can carry this weight and this burden and this false view of who God is that can really interfere with our understanding of how he wants to teach us his will. Um, sometimes we try to figure out God's will without God. This happens sometimes, I just as a like silly example. So my husband, I joke that I have like 65 faces. I have a face for every emotion. So you know exactly what I'm feeling because I'm, I'm going to show you. I'm wearing it on my sleeve. And then my husband has like three faces for all the things, for all the emotions. <laughs> so there are times when he's like, him, he's sitting on the couch and he's got, it's, for him, it's probably just his, I'm sitting and watching TV and I'm totally fine face. But I look at it, and I think that looks an awful lot like his, I'm really irritated at Carrie, but I'm not going to talk to her about it face. So what do I do? I sit there, and I think, what did I do? Okay. Ah, oh, man. Oh, the dishes. Or the kids. I left. I didn't, I didn't put her to bed. So, or I didn't change her diaper. I made him do that. And I go through this list of all the things that maybe I didn't do or should have done, and I try to fix it without asking him how he's doing without asking him if he's even upset or if he's even, you know, what, what he wants. And I think it's funny, but I think sometimes we do that with God, right? We're kind of like, okay, God, uh, you want something for me? I'm, I'm, I'm going to figure it out. I'm going to do it because I want to make you happy and I don't want you to be mad and I don't want that lightning. And so we try to get ahead of God. But I want to be honest here. God is love. God is a relational God. And we are never going to know God's will for ourselves outside of relationship with him. And to be, really to pursue God's will begins with pursuing God himself. It begins with pursuing his heart and really just being with him, sitting with him, knowing him. Because God loves it when his kids come to be with him. God loves it when we sit and take time with him. And I would even say, if we look at the life of Jesus um, in the life of God, period, he is always a be with God. You know, with, he was with Adam and Eve in the garden. God was with his people, the Israelites, in the wilderness, in their journey. Jesus was with his disciples. In fact, his disciples learned by watching him, by, by living and moving and doing as he did. And they definitely made mistakes. But as, as they made mistakes, Jesus would, would teach them. He would correct them. And then when he left, he left us with the Holy Spirit, his advocate for us, the counselor. And this occurred to me today, you know, I think so often I hate being corrected. I hate, I hate feeling like God's going to, um, you know, reprimand me somehow. But I really believe that conviction of the Holy Spirit is a gift to us. God's conviction is actually a gift when God, when God sees us doing something that's not in line with his heart, he wants to gently move us into what he desires for us and what, what is good for us and what is good for his creation. 
my friend was talking with me recently, and she said, you know what's funny? When God corrects me, she's like, he always does it somehow in a gracious way, almost like I'm his little kid. And he's like, yeah, that's, oh, oh, you, you know, like, like, I love you, I love you, and I don't want this for you. And she was, I loved how she put it, because she said, really, it doesn't feel like God is, is condemning her, but God is like, there's a better way. There's a better way. And so we, we can be afraid of God's correction, but really it is a gift to us. So sometimes we have this problem of trying to figure out what God wants before we even ask him. Another thing we can sometimes struggle with is that um, we don't trust the answers God has already given us. We don't always trust the answers God has already given us. And okay, go back to my, my situation with my husband. There are other times when I say, okay, he looks miserable. He's got, he's got the face that could be miserable or it could be happy. I'm not sure. Um, and so I'll say to him, are you okay? And he'll say, yeah, I'm fine. And if it were me, fine. If I say I'm fine, this is passive aggressive. This is not, this is, this is I, I want you to keep asking me how I'm doing until you get the actual answer. But my husband is not that way. No, he's, he's much more honest than I am. So when he says he's fine, he's actually fine. Except I keep asking him if he's fine long enough that then he's not fine because now he's mad that I'm not trusting him. But I think we do this sometimes with God as well, right? Sometimes we're like, okay, God, what's your will? What's your plan? What's your, what do you want me to do? And God's like, hey, I've given you my word. I've, I've given you so many things in this, in, like this, this word, this scripture. I've taught you how to live what's good for your life. I've given you, I've given you a roadmap to follow. And sometimes it's almost like we're like, okay, God, thanks. Thanks for that. But, but really, really, what's your will? What's your, what's your plan? And I actually, I actually have to say, I think sometimes, if I'm, if I'm honest about my life, sometimes I don't want to do the thing that I know God wants me to do, the thing that's obviously in here, because it's easier to keep asking. It's easier to be like, okay, God, all right, I'm, I'm seeking you, I'm pursuing you. But look, God has something very powerful to say about that. Isaiah 58, 1 through 3 um, talks about the Israelites, and, and he says, for day after day they seek me out, they seem eager to know my ways as if they were a nation that does what's right, that has not forsaken the commands of its God. They ask me for just decisions and seem eager for God to come near to them. Why have we fasted, they say, and you have not seen it? Why have we humbled ourselves and you haven't noticed? Yet on the day of your fasting, you do as you please. On the day of your fasting, you do as you please. And this is a sobering reminder that you know, we, we, can't, we can't pretend like we're, we're just seeking God and we need to know his will and what's next for our lives if we're not willing to do what he's already told us to do. We don't want to complicate seeking God's will when it's right in front of us. Um, I had this moment, I swear all my best analogies are from idiotic things that I've done in my life. But uh, the, other, the other morning I woke up and my alarm went off on my phone. I have, I, you know, I need to really break up with my cell phone alarm because it's just not working. Um, it went off in the morning, and it was buzzing at me, so I, I picked up my phone and started to go about my day, and I started walking down the hall, and 
You should know that in the Burr House, the kids get up at ungodly hours. It's ridiculous, even in the summer. And so I, I'm walking down the hall, and I hear this chiming noise. Like, it sounded like it was coming from one of the kids' Kindles, because they like to set an alarm sometimes. And I was like, seriously, guys, it is the summer. Just go sleep in. You do not need to set an alarm. And so I was all annoyed, because I was like, someone's going to wake up the baby. So I'm tracking down the, where I think the noise must be coming from. So I go to my son's room. And I'm walking around, and it was like I, I didn't ever seem to be getting closer to the noise. But then I would, like, walk into another room, and I was like, I'm not far. What is happening? I'm, it was, oh, it was, it, was my, it was my phone that was still alarming. A, apparently, it, like, buzzes initially, and then it goes into this nice little chiming noise that I probably tune out in my sleep. So I was holding the noise that I was searching for in my hand, and once again, this is a reminder that, that God's like, sometimes if we're in this mode of seeking God's will, seeking God's will, seeking God's will, and God's like, hey, it's already in your hand. It's already in your hand. And so if you are looking for a place to start, um, you know, the Bible is full of, first of all, like the Ten Commandments, um, which, you know, God gives us um, clear guidelines for just following him, what it looks like to, to love him and honor him. You can look at the book of Proverbs, which is a very uh, practical wisdom that God gives us for our lives. Uh, you can look specifically at uh, the books of, of Jesus' life, the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John. Uh, some people like to say, uh, read the, the red letters. The, uh, some Bibles use red letters red font to, uh, to show when Jesus is speaking. And those are great places for us to start if we're looking for, for what does God want for me? What does God desire? And I would make a quick point here too, that if we look at what God wants from us, sometimes we can focus on the don'ts. Okay, God doesn't want me, he wants me to avoid this, he doesn't want me to wear this, he doesn't want me to say this. And sometimes as Christians, I get, I get sad when I look at the church because sometimes I think we're so focused on the don't list that we don't realize that God is very much about what he wants us to do. That God is not just about things to avoid, but he wants us to pursue good things. He, he wants us to follow him because he wants to create with us. He wants to, to show love to others through us. And I think sometimes we can be so, again, so focused on the don'ts that we don't realize that God very much wants us to do and live with him. So we have to remember that God is going to teach us about his will through relationship and also that God is saying, start with what you know. Start with what's already in your hand. But I will say this, as much as God does give us a lot of general revelation about his will in the Bible, there are definitely times, if we're honest, um, that, we, that we don't have a clear understanding of what God wants for our specific situation, right? You know, we, we may find ourselves in situations where we're like, man, should I go to this college or should I go to that college? Man, there's not a verse in here that, that says, you know, should I go to, to UConn or to, I don't know, like... Or maybe, maybe it's a relationship. Maybe it's, maybe it's wisdom to know how to speak to someone when we, have, we know it's going to be a difficult conversation. Um, maybe we're, we're, we're not sure um, what God, where God wants us to give or how he wants uh, to, to have us work with, with him and with our kids and with our family. And there are definitely times that we aren't going to fully understand God's specific will for our life um, simply by reading his word. And so I would say a couple of things about that. 
first of all, you're in good company because throughout the Bible, we're going to see stories of people, whether it's Abraham asking God, where are you, where are you taking me? Where are we going? Or Esther, who, who knows she has to approach the king to save her people and to save her own life, and she doesn't know. She doesn't have the wisdom. God, what is your will? So throughout the Bible, you're going to find these stories of people who were intentionally seeking God's will for specific things in their life. And as, as you pursue him, I would say, first of all, remember it's relational. Remember that God's going to be on this journey with you, and, and it's going to be a daily process. And second, I would say that as much as um, sometimes it takes time and praying, and even people will sometimes go fasting uh, or find intentional ways to remove distractions so they can just listen to God's voice. But there are clues that God has given us at times to what he wants us to do and how he's made us. So one thing I would say is as you seek God's will for your life, remember to pay attention to your personality and your passions. Your personality and your passions. Because I will say this, if God is the designer of each and every one of us, then God has actually placed clues about how he's meant to use us and the purposes that he has for us. He's placed clues within our personality. And I know sometimes people, um, we can get a little bit uh, suspicious sometimes of maybe personality tests and, and spiritual gift assessments. And I understand that. And I think there's a, a place to be, you know, to not go like crazy and put all of our stock in those assessments. But at the same time, there is something really powerful about knowing who we are and understanding more of who God has made us to be and beginning to let God reveal to us um, where our passion is meant to intersect with this world and what he wants to do with us. Um, and I think this also helps us not to compare ourselves because so often we look around and we think, well, so-and-so is doing this and she started a you know, charity and she started this thing and she's doing amazing things in the world. And God's like, yeah, but I made her as an extrovert with, you know, with a, with a mind for business startup or with a mind to, to lead a charity. And I've made you to be a hospitality person. I've made you to invite people into your home. She's not, she's not gifted for that, but you are. And together as the body of Christ, our multiple personalities and giftings fully reflect God, right? He hasn't put... Um, I think it's amazing that God reflects a piece of himself and part of himself through each of us together as a body. So remember to notice your personality and your passions. And the second thing I would say, once I find my notes, thanks for waiting. The second thing I would say is that as we seek God's will, as we follow God and, and, and we are pursuing him in relationship, uh, we have to know that the yeses, our yeses to God, build on each other. Our little yeses to God build on the next yes. So last week, Tom talked a little bit about spiritual drift and how he said, you know, we kind of get into the summer vibe mode, mode and we can, without realizing it, we can, we can end up um, drifting away from God, away from his heart. And he, call, he reminded us of the story of um, how he was on vacation and the kids would be in the, in the ocean and kind of like slowly drift with the, with the tide farther down the beach. And so the, one of the moms that was in the group said, hey, remember, remember, if, if you find yourself drifting, we're right next to the pink umbrella. And so the mom reminded the kids, focus on the pink umbrella and you're going you're gonna to remember where we are. And I feel like Jesus is our pink umbrella, right? And when we find ourselves drift, drifting, we're supposed to fix our eyes on the author and perfecter of our faith. And God says, I, I really believe that, you know, just 
It can be disheartening to picture drifting, and it can happen so incrementally. But the beautiful thing is that I believe that saying yes to God and, and knowing his will and becoming more obedient and growing in that ability to hear his voice, we can also do that incrementally too. Increment. Good God. All right. Um, I need more sleep or more coffee. But we, we slowly build. The little yeses build into bigger yeses. Um, I really believe, you know, God says that when we're faithful with little, he begins to give us more. Uh, for, for my own self, a personal story, uh, a few weeks ago, uh, you may remember, we did a baby dedication here at Hope Church. And some of you, uh, we were able to share, my husband and I, our story of a little bit of how our foster story is going right now. And afterwards, I had some of you come up to me and some people that, you know, I, I encounter in other areas of my life. And people say to me, I could never do what you're doing. I could never do what you're doing. And first of all, I would, I would turn to each one of you and I would say, there are things that so many of you are doing that I would look at and say, I could never do what you're doing. So don't, don't ever compare yourself. Don't ever think, oh man, man, she's got, it, she's got it figured out or she's got it made. Because again, back to our personality, there are things that God has designed each of us for um, that other people feel like they could never do. And that's partly God's design, right? But the other thing I was thinking about that is, I don't think that I could do what I'm doing if it was a year ago. And what I mean to say by that is, um, you know, about a year ago, maybe a little before that, my husband and I said yes to something small. We said yes to going to a foster info class. And then we said yes to going to 12 weeks of, of follow-up classes and, you know, finding a sitter and then going to these three-hour classes and sitting through them. And then we said yes to strangers coming into our home and, and checking our house to make sure it was safe and feeling like people are looking over our shoulders and then we said yes to the waiting period and then to being placed and then to a plan change, something that wasn't going as we thought and, and having to kind of walk through the grief and the process of, of letting go of something that maybe an adoption or something we had hoped for. And I say all this to say, I don't know that I could have done that a year ago, but the little yeses, the little yeses to God and the little steps of obedience build on each other. And if I'm honest today, I, I've been asking God and asking God, what is your will in this situation right now? I just don't understand. I just don't know what you want us to do or where you're going. And right now I feel like what God's saying to me is you don't have to know the answer. You don't have to know the destination. This is preparing you for the next thing. Your yes today is preparing you for tomorrow's yes. And so I just want you to know, if you are right now sitting here thinking, man, I, I, I just don't think I could ever do this, this amazing or powerful thing, say yes to the little thing. Say yes to what's right in front of you. When God puts something in your heart and you know what God has asked you to do, just say yes to that one little thing and those yeses will build on each other. And God will lead you to do things that you never thought you could do and go take you to places that you never thought you could go because of your little surrender today. And never forget that. Also, I believe that God as a relational God is sometimes not going to tell us exactly what his will is. Not because he wants to tease us or hide it from us, but because he wants us to walk with him. He wants us to lean on him. And sometimes I think it's because he knows if he gave us the full plan now, we would run and hide. We would never say yes, right? But he's like, you just need this little piece right now. You need to daily surrender. You need to daily take up your cross and follow me. And one thing that God has taught me through all of my journey, and I've made so many mistakes, but that God's presence 
is more important than me knowing his plan. I say that carefully because God does want us to know his will and seek it. But God's presence is more important than, than us figuring out the specific plan and the specific details for the rest of our lives. God desperately wants to be with you and me, and he wants to lead us through relationship. And as we follow God, inevitably, he's going to take us beyond what we are able to do on our own. He's going to take you out into the deep end, into places where we don't have a roadmap. And I, I will kind of end with this, this idea that, um, that following God is going to cost us something. Those yeses to God are going to cost us because if we look back at the beginning of, of the, the Romans passage, right, the, the, world, the world's patterns are not God's patterns. And our will is not always going to be God's will. And so there's going to be a sacrifice, a giving up of our time, of, of maybe what we want, of um, security. But I have to say this, that the cost of not saying yes to God is always greater than the cost of saying yes and if I were to flip that around, that means also that the joy and the benefit of saying yes to God is always greater than the benefit of, of saying no. God is very interested in being with us, in walking with us, in teaching us his ways and his will. He wants us to talk to him. And this is why I actually have this little um, speech bubble here. Listen, don't, don't try to follow God without asking God what he wants. Don't try to assume what God wants without, without a relationship. And then don't forget that, that when God has given us his word, that we're meant to trust him. We're meant to act on what he says, right? The world notices, the world notices when we, when we say we love God, when we say we follow him, but we're, we're kind of ignoring the obvious things like, like love your neighbor as yourself. So don't forget to hold, to, to say yes to what's right in our hands. And then for you, what it, would it look like for you to live each day like an adventure with God, like you are, are waking up each day ready and expectant, believing that he's going to say something to you, believing that he wants to walk with you. And I want to kind of end with this thought. I had, I had a friend once tell me that every morning they would wake up and be like, okay, what's next, Papa? What's next, Papa? What are we going to do today? And I love that. I love that because I just feel like it, it brings us to that relational attitude with God that we're inviting him to, to speak to us, to walk with us and work with us. And are you willing to say yes? Are you willing to talk with him and see where he takes you? God, I am just thanking you for who you are. I thank you that you are a God not, that's not just Lord, that, but that is love. And I thank you that your heart for each of us is that we know you and that we walk with you. And God, I pray for each person in this room, um, God, I pray right now against shame, against discouragement, against the feeling that we're too far behind or we can't say yes, because I believe, God, that you're calling each person today to a little yes, a little surrender, wherever they are. And I, act, I ask, God, that as we step out in faith, as we step out in the little yeses, that you'd give us, that you'd grow our muscles, that you'd um, grow our obedience to follow you. And God, I ask that as we do that, that you would change the world through this people, through our hearts. Amen.